1: You can't be a one-trick pony. You have to be a five-tool player in order to succeed in this game.
0: This is the Power Producers Podcast. Production redefined. Are you ready to feel the power?
1: Hey everybody! Welcome to the Power Producers Podcast, where we are refining and redefining the sales game. And I don't know, man. I think Kyle's beard game might have gotten shut down this morning. <laughs> we Rod Herb from Herb and Young in Orlando has brought his luscious beard and talents I like it. To the Power Producers Podcast.
2: Oh, yours, yours is pretty good there
3: too, Kyle. Man, I got. to So props. I tell you what, man. It's it's you can't really see it right now, but mine's mine's starting to come in like yours in the gray Dude, on the bottom here, th- and it's like. Is- <laughs>
2: This has happened. This was. This has been here a while, but man, it's starting to really uh, it's trailing on up. I tell you what, I, man, dude, yeah. I swear, you, I look in the mirror. You cannot like, beat Father Time, man. I know, and it's, you can't
3: I, beat I looked him. in the mirror a couple of days ago. I was like, "Holy shit, man!" Like, <laughs> this is crazy. Well, I
1: mean, that's why I have to keep mine it's out of fade fault. Yeah, my I have to keep a fade because otherwise I look like Polly Walnuts.
3: <laughs> Rest in peace.
1: <laughs> yeah, I got uh, I got I got the white walls going. So Rod, before we get cranked up, man, why don't you give everybody sort of the ten thousand foot overview? Your backstory is kind of unique, and I think you should share it as far as how you got led to where you're at now with uh, with what I consider one of my favorite agencies in the state of Florida. You guys have an awesome shop over there, and uh, your culture is certainly contagious, even through virtual. Um, Consumption, so I'm interested to talk about that a little bit. And truthfully, we're having Taylor's going to be on next, so we're going to talk to him too. It'll be interesting to see how all that stuff lines up. But the floor is yours, my man.
2: Yeah, man. Well, I, first of all, thank you so much for having me. I've, uh, you know, David, and uh, I mean this, man. I'm I'm a student of the guys that are that are doing the thing, man. And you're certainly one of them. You've got my respect. You've got the respect of our of my partners, and certainly our firm, man. So. The fact that you'd have us on and want to hear about our story is uh, is exciting, and me personally, man, I'm humbled. So thank you very much. Um, you know, my, my background's not real flashy, man. I was uh, I was uh, I was the biggest golfer nerd you ever knew growing up. Growing up, um, golf was all I knew, all I wanted to know. All through high school, I was the kid that. I had the worst attendance of anybody in my high school, but not because I was out partying or or uh, doing things I wasn't supposed to do. I either skipped school to go play golf, or I skipped school to go work at the golf course. Um, fast forward to those, that the, the first the of all, fam- I
3: don't see anything wrong with that. By the way,
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh man, well it depends on who you ask. Now I got to be careful, right? I got a fourteen year old, and I've got a, I've got a twenty year old just finished her second year of college, and my wife and I are like. You're going to go to college and you're going to do better than your dad, but I just I I I just knew what I wanted to do, and I just kind of looked at it and thought to myself, you know, I I just I just school wasn't for me. Um, Fast forward to that famous senior skip day, right? I was the guy that the, the office came to and said, if you skip one more day, you won't graduate. And I'm like, well, then I guess I don't graduate. Well, my sister at the time um, jumped in and said, you're going to be in class that day. And you're going to write the paper that they told you to write. And I'm like, I'm not writing it. She wrote the paper. I was in school that day. I was able to graduate. And then the person that had zero business going to college, um, I had made friends with the athletic director at my local country club for the community college in in Flint, Michigan, where I come from. And he's like, you got to come play golf at, at my college. I'm like, dude, I, my grades are bad. I don't have grades. And, and, uh, I'm not, you know, I'm not built for school. Um, <laughs> he said, you're playing anyway. So my mom, when she found out that I was going to not only go to college, get a scholarship, she was pissed. Um, <laughs> she couldn't believe that my behavior all through high school was about to be rewarded with really what was my dream to play college golf. Even though I had some good schools looking at me, I, I wasn't, I wasn't uh, about to, to take, um, <laughs> excuse me here, boys, my computer came unplugged. Hold on a second.
1: If it's anything like mine, the battery will be dead in thirty-three seconds from there. Yeah, no I'm so sorry, guys. I had, I had it plugged Good. Good.
2: in and I moved it and it unplugged. But uh, yeah, so mm-hmm. needless to say, she was pissed that I'm about to, you know, I'm about to get my dream to play college golf. Um, and the second that the season was over, I quit going to class. And the AD's like the AD who was who gave me the shot He's like, man, you got to help me out. I'm like, dude, I told you when this thing started, I wasn't going to be going to class. So when I say I was, I was a (laughs) golfer, man, I warned you. I mean, I told you, you know, and, uh, and, and that went on for two years. And then after the second, it was a two year, you know, junior college after that, he's like, look, man, I, I can't save you anymore. I'm like, I get it. And, and I, I was pursuing what I knew then to be my dream, which was golf, um, you know, I had enrolled in a couple of business schools after that and got pretty close to getting my degree, but just school wasn't for me. I then went on to run some private clubs and then went on to play a little bit on some mini tours and, and then wound up caddying on the PJ tour from 2001 through 2004. And that was a neat experience, but it was at that time in my life where I realized that my, and I, I was a hard worker. I mean, I was dedicated to golf and everything golf and, um, I just realized at that point, especially when I was at golf's highest level, caddying for a guy who, um, you know, was was doing the thing that I really wanted to do, my pay was was attached to his outcomes, and I just didn't like that idea, man. So, um, I had a mentor early on at, in my in my days of running private country clubs who owned a diabetic company, diabetic supply company. He said, "Man, what are you going to be done with this stupid golf thing?" He said, "You need to come and." and, you know, sell for me, be one of our reps. And I'm like, man, I don't know anything about diabetes and I'm petrified of needles.
1: Uh
2: He said, well, you'll, you'll be great at it. So when I, when I, when I finished my golf career in 2004, my caddy career, I should say, um, I found myself, man, going into an area where I had no, I had no leverage. I had no college degree. I had no network. I had no nothing. I just knew that I enjoyed people. Um, I enjoyed being around people. I quickly learned in that role what it meant to cold call. I was immediately, I I just loved. I loved it. I loved the idea of walking. At that time, it was, you know, there was no there were there was no way to get more out of your effort. I mean, it was getting your car drive to an office, getting your car drive to an office, getting your car drive to an office. They told me that uh, eight to ten appointments a day was good, and I found a way to make fifteen to twenty. you know, I was the guy that was waiting for the doctor when he pulled in the, in the parking lot. Um, and I was the guy that was sitting there when he closed his office, waiting to talk to him when he came out. So I just found a way to get more done. I found that for me, that was where I gained leverage. Um, I didn't have a degree, like I said. So pharmaceutical sales wasn't for me, but a referral-based business like the one I was in wound up being just a perfect uh, perfect fit for me because I could outwork all the people that had the degrees and, and, uh, and had the big pharmaceutical jobs. and And that allowed me to really close the gap. And then from, from that very first role that I had, I kept getting recruited away by cl- by customers. So I, ha- I the first diabetic company, my number one customer was in a new industry in healthcare. They recruited me away. It was at that point where they said, we want you to lead our sales team. Um, I'm like, I've never led a sales team. They're like, listen, just do what you did at the last company because we know what that was like and we just want you to do it here. So I was able to help develop that company sales team, take them Um you know, it obviously a collective effort, but we were able to move the needle significantly in the six years that I was there. I was recruited away again. Um, and it was during that time that I was able to meet Brett, my partner. Um, and we, we hit it off. Um, we were working. I was in my role. He had just graduated college. Um, and I just wanted something more. I realized that I could market. I realized I enjoyed marketing. I enjoyed sales. I enjoyed cold calling. Um, and it was through uh, an employee benefit that the two of us met. We immediately became close. Um, Taylor entered very, very shortly after that. The three of us realized that the product that we were working on in our spare time was an insurance-based product and in Florida, you needed a a license to sell it. And we just kind of said, man, wouldn't it be neat to have an agency? This is back in 2006 now, wouldn't it be neat to have an agency one day where we could just offer all the products that people already buy? I mean, we had a product you had to push. And we felt like with the insurance world, you know, people would be pulled in and, and want to buy it. So, um, that's what we did. We spent from 2006 to 2011, kind of working on what, you know, writing down what it would look like. A lot of brainstorm sessions, a lot of midnight oil was burned in those days because we would do our normal thing during the day. And then I'd have my job, we'd come home and we'd call people on the West coast until, you know, midnight, 12, one, two o'clock, and then sit there till three o'clock and figure out what this thing would look like. Um, and fast forward to today, we're 11 years in and, and man, having the time of our life. And for the first time for me, being able to build something the way that I always wanted to build it when I was in those other roles, those corporate roles, um, especially David, you mentioned the cor- you know the culture, I, I, you know, everybody, everybody uses the word culture in the corporate world and, and they, they think they have culture until they realize how much is it, how much it costs.
1: Well, you know, my comment is I always say it's a, bud- a buzzword and not a belief, right? That's right. That's right. And, and, and that's what's
2: been fun for us is we've put culture above all else, right? We've put culture above our own earnings. We've put culture above um, really anything there is. It's like when we're looking at people, it's like to, to, to join our team. And, and, and we, what, what, what happened from 2006 to 2011 is we realized we were team builders. We realized that we had a passion for connecting people, bringing the right people on, getting the right people in the seats. Um, and, and that's really what's holding true today. And, and, and that's kind of where we're having the most fun. But culture is a non-negotiable, right? So it's like if some someone could be the best insurance agent, but if they come in and they just don't fit our culture, we're just we' we're, we're not we're not gonna we're probably not gonna go down that road. Not probably we're not gonna go down that road.
3: <laughs> so it's something well, that you figure out on the front end when the interview process is what I'm hearing.
2: Yeah, we, we, we've kind of well, we we try to we've we've uh, we've done a good job of it, Kyle. We you know, we believe that an interviews fun an interview fine. You can learn a lot about somebody through an interview process and you you can flesh out some things. We just believe in, we want, to, we want people to really want to work with the people that they hang out with and hang out with the people that they work with. Mm-hmm. So, one of the things we do, one of the channels we put people through as they potentially can join our company. And by the way, we hold hiring and recruiting in very, very opposite ends of the spectrum. Hiring is, I need somebody, let's get somebody quick. Recruiting is, who's somebody that I've got my eye on that I'd like to work with and I recruit them over a period of time. So, mm-hmm we always want to be on the recruiting side of things, but once we feel like they would be a fit, then man, the goal is get them in front of their team as quick as they can get them out for drinks, get them out for an event, get them out for something other than just, you know, let me show up to the office. Let me be all polished. Let me be all prepared. Right. Put me in an environment where the team's coming off of a day of work. You're coming in wanting to be on this team and let's just see the conversations that ensue and, 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 you know, the chemistries that kind of get built through those, uh, do those good. interactions. So yeah, it's, 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 it's been fun. And, and I'm glad that, that um, we've stayed true to it because I think what it's shown is if you look at the team and you look at the culture now, I mean, you know, Monday nights, we could have people hanging out at somebody's house. You know, it's not just a Friday or Saturday or a special event thing. I mean, we've really, we've really, Dude, you uh,
1: guys are doing the driveway workouts. I mean, I've not followed it like daily, like <laughs> I used to, but it used Kyle, their whole, like, I'm not going to say the whole agency, but I mean, it speaks to the culture, man, because there's probably, there's a group of at least, I don't know, somewhere between five and 10 of them at any given time, including some of their spouses, they bring in a trainer and they're essentially doing CrossFit in somebody's driveway and just getting after it, man. No, everything, everything from lunges to Japanese working cold out is the plunges. worst. <laughs> yeah, but they're they're and, and and I even remember when um when some of your team members who are remote can't be there to do it in person. Yes. Y'all set up a laptop and they do the same workout yeah. remote with everybody else. I just think it's. I, I mean, I think that's pretty cool, man. What does if corporate you try, America typically do? If you do? try to they-
3: Facetime me while you're doing your Peloton workouts, I'm gonna be so pissed. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, there's no chance. <laughs> but if you think about it, that's that's what's, what proves the culture. Corporate yeah. America, right? It's an employee benefit. We're going to give you a gym membership. Culture, we're going to work out with you. We're going to bring everybody together and we're going to do this as a team. And it's a huge distinction, man. I mean, I think a lot of people want to try and get it right, but they don't understand exactly what the sacrifices are that have to happen. And the fact that it's a, it's not something that you can just say, like, I also, I know this is going to come as a surprise, Rod. I'm a really opinionated individual and I <laughs> I just think that the more times you hear, when you, you guys are not the group that's. you talk about culture, but you're not talking about culture because every, you want everybody to hear you talking about culture, right? And the distinction is, I think there's a lot of people out there that talk about how great their culture is because they're trying to convince themselves. They're trying to 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 say to to get themselves to believe that they have something that really doesn't exist. Y'all live it. Like it, if you're talking about culture, it's typically because. It's a caption to a video that you've posted or a photo of a team event where you can see everybody's obviously having fun. And I mean, I look at it even from Brett having a Christmas party at his house and clearing the living room out so that you guys had a dance floor. I'm assuming Uh. that was his house. But, you know, I I watched that, man. And you guys need to know that there are people paying attention to that out there. That think what you have going on is really really cool, and well, uh, you know first, I wanted to be able to have the opportunity to tell you that, but I want everybody else listening to this to know that because they need to follow what you guys are doing. It would make them better people too.
2: Well, first of all, thank you for that compliment. I, that means a lot, um, and I'm glad that that's your perspective and, and your perception, and 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 that's certainly true. You know, it started with us, man. It's like it's like are you someone that someone would want to follow? Is, is really the philosophy. That we abide by, right? I mean, we believe we're a personal development company that happens to sell insurance. That's kind of what got us in the game. That's what's kept us in the game. That's what's taken people from where they are to where they need to be. Um, but you know, the first question that Brett Taylor and I said is, "Man, if we don't want to be here, if we don't want to do the thing that we're promoting, then why would anyone else?" So, mm-hmm. I, th- I think that's been a big catalyst to the culture that we're building. Um, you know, and, and man, I'm, I'm lucky guys. I've, I've got, I've got some pretty remarkable partners. So, um, you know, we, we, and we line up. So it's like when we, when we want to put something fun in place, um, that, that we want to benefit from, it's easy to find it infectious. And then to see that just, just, just drift around throughout the organization. And, and to your point, David, um, so on Tuesdays and Wednesdays, we work out together. We've got Enrique who's working out down in Miami via computer. Uh, we've got <laughs> Chris, Chris with the, uh, Melbourne crew that's over there in his garage doing the same thing. So, um, that's been by design so that everybody can just stay cohesive number one and get their workouts in. Um, you know, we, are big believers in, uh, you know, what you put in is what you're going to get out, you know? And, and, uh, so that's been a lot of fun and certainly to see that take off in other markets that we're working on is, uh, has, has been fun.
1: How do you manage that? I mean, I understand the laptop and the workouts, but having a culture that you know is is honestly unique, right? I mean, I'm not saying that you guys are doing like crazy crazy stuff, but it's intentional and it's unique to our industry. I think is probably the best way to to say it, how do you manage that for your remote p- team members? So that's, Cause that's a different challenge. You've got well, people now over by us in St. Pete. I know you've yeah. got Enrique yeah. down in South Florida. You've got yeah. people in, um, I don't, what is it? Uh, Vero beach. Jupiter. I remember Jupiter. Yeah. Jupiter. Yeah. And then up in Melbourne, you know, yeah. talk a little bit about that.
2: Well, the first, the first thing man that, that I'll tell you is it's voluntary. Um, you know, nothing, you know, we read a book as it, we've read it. We've 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 conducted a conference call for Brett Taylor and I for 15 years, and we read a book together. And we we get on a call at a voluntary call at 9:30, 9 o'clock, once every other week, and we discuss the chapters of the of the book that we've previously read. We've done that for 15 years. Now that's a voluntary function that we provide for people that are here if they want to give themselves the greatest gift that is personal development. So we provide that channel. Um, And like I said, you know, with, with the workouts, you know, we, we enjoy working out, Brett Taylor and I enjoy working out, you know, we've got a lot of ex college and professional athletes at at urban young. So um, that's been kind of fun to see everybody, you know, want to get back out and mix it up and compete on a workout or compete with, with something like that. But yeah, I mean, it's, the thing I can tell you is we just want to make sure that the vehicle continues to get, Better so that more people can get out of the vehicle what they want to get out of the vehicle. Right? We don't we don't we don't think of it in terms of work life balance. We think of it in terms of work life integration. Um, so if you're looking at that and you're looking at just life, um, part of life should be your fitness. So if, if if that's important to you personally, and we think it believe it bleeds into your profession then why don't we try to, you know, find a way to bridge that gap to where we can do that together. And, and uh, you know, you, you know, a lot of people when you, you know, you learn a lot about people when you're working together and you're, you're working hard on a deal to get it done. But go sweat with somebody in a, in a workout where it gets dark and and you're sweating and you're hurting and you're fatigued and and you look over at your teammate who you just grinded out with on, on an account or on a troubled, a troubled issue or something the day before. And man, that just tells you, Number one, it tells you if if you run a team, it tells you how hard you can push somebody number two if you're if you're running alongside somebody, you know how hard they can be pushed before they're going to break. So I just think there's just so many so many valuable lessons in that particular area of what we deem important and like i said it, the, the the whole everything we've done started with the three of us, Brett Taylor and I sitting down going man, if it's not something that we want to do, why would anybody else want to do it? If it's not a place we want to be, why would anybody else want to be there? So that's been the driver, David, to our culture. And 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 you mentioned St. Pete and Jupiter. And, and you know, it, it certainly gets a little tougher when you're talking about remote markets and people kind of being away from the mothership or a couple, you know, away from the main fire. So for us, that's just a way to help keep people close to where the fire is burning. And that's that's hopefully, you know, through the example that that we set our leaders set, and uh, and 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 quite honestly, to us, everybody at our company is a leader, or they're a leader in development. So we we want them to, to to act that way.
3: So I mean, it sounds like you guys put a heavy emphasis on leading from the front, and I think any good leader would agree with that. Golf is such an individual sport, right? And I think that's why. You know, I grew up playing team sports and everything, but I, I love golf, um, and I think that's why I like it because it's, you're competing against yourself. Really, I mean, of course, if you're playing in a tournament, you're competing against others, but really, when it comes down to it, you're competing against yourself. So, how were you able to kind of transition out of that mindset into okay, I'm, I'm working with a team now, and I want to get everybody, you know, to the best that they can be because it's a, it's a totally different philosophy in in my head.
2: Yeah. Cool question, man. I mean, you know, for me, golf was, was an individual thing, no question. I mean, I played on golf teams, obviously, but, but right. you got to handle your business and all you can do is handle your business. There's no timeouts. There's no coach coming to say, you know, how you feeling, dry your sweat off, nothing. I mean, it's just once you start, you go and you finish. Um, but I'll tell you, golf was a passion. It still is a passion what's tough about my journey in golf is the day that came where you had to admit that you're not good enough to play it for a living, right? I'm driving the United States in a beat up old car, sleeping in dirty hotels, and and just hoping one day that I make it to the big league. So when you have that day of of kind of decision, and you realize that what I'm doing is just not going to be what I'm going to do for for long, I think you start to open your mind to other things. Probably Kyle, and why I like this question is golf is a very selfish sport, very self-centered sport. I was never that way. I'm more of a servant type leader, person, individual Mm -hmm. personality, call it what you want to call it. So for me, the transition to a team was very simple, right? It was, and and I look at it more in terms of... uh, of, of kind of a mastermind, right? It's like finding people that have, that want to share a common goal first of all. And once you find the common goal and then you find the people you want to share it with, to me, the the, 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 the transition into the team aspect of what we do and now as proclaimed team builders. And it was really a pretty simple, pretty simple move. Um, I should say a pretty simple transition. And it's been a fun transition because what, what I like about a team and really my first interaction on teams was my sales teams, right? Back in the healthcare days. If one person hits their numbers and five of them don't, is that a successful month? Well, it will be for that individual, but collectively mm-hmm. we aren't where we need to be. So that transition happened early on. So it's like if if we don't all have the skills or haven't yet all built the skills to collectively rise together, hit our numbers, achieve things we want to achieve, make money we've never made before, then let's talk about that. And that was where I realized that culture just was not people in corporate America weren't as weren't as interested in corporate in, in culture. No, as they may believe. I mean, because that that takes extra time. It takes maybe it takes extra resources, but when you can be part of a team where everybody moves up and moves together, uh, levels up together. And that's, to me, that's, that's the ultimate, that's the ultimate. And, and, and I'm proud of what we've seen over 11 years at urban young is we've seen a lot of that. Um, a lot of, a lot of stories like that happen. Cool question, man.
1: Yeah and you know what I don't think the insurance industry cares about culture. I'm going to go ahead and throw it out there. And the reason why I say that is because we have way too big of a gap between the old guard and the new guard. Period. And that's man. why I think guys like us that can see that that's a problem yeah, can man. use that to our advantage and grow through acquisition and bring people into a place where they're appreciated, they're heard. You know and I think I think that's a big point too because so many of the people who sit in our chair is the people who run the organization don't want to even listen, let alone implement. You know, so I think that we could probably make a lot of forward progress if we just actually listened to what people had to say to us about how we can make our operation better. Um, but at the same time, I think we need to make sure they know just because they want it doesn't mean they get it. And that's a delicate dance you have to do. I was going to gonna do, say right? that's a
3: fine line, right? I mean, especially today, everybody wants to be heard and that, like, I mean, I just hear stories that my wife's. I mean, she runs a team at ADP. Some of the stuff that she's like tells me that her team is is bringing up and saying to her. I'm just like, my God, I am I am thankful that I am not in that position right now because my response would not have been <laughs> as as even keel and as cool as yours was. So good for you, but I, I, I do think it is a fine line though. You wanna you wanna hear what people have to say and maybe get different perspective on it, but you also don't want to just make it seem like you can be pushed around and told what to do and everything that they says go. I don't know. It's, um, it's interesting.
2: Well, I, I, first of all, I, you, you mentioned the gap between the old guard and the new guard, David, for, and I won't pretend to, you know, my time in insurance is, you know, a decade. Um, so I'm, I'm just a baby and, and we're a young company, but what I, what I like about what you said, man, and I've said this since I met you is one of the reasons I've kind of gravitated towards you is because of how openly and how freely you share information and experience, right? Um, I've always had the opinion that you're not going to compete against me because I want you to win too, right? There's enough to go around. And I feel like that's a very new school, new guard way of thinking versus the old guard is you know, I'll be, I'll beat that, I'll, I'll beat that guy, I'll beat his rate, I'll beat whatever, and it's like it's so, it, it's all forgettable stuff, right? Whereas when there's collaboration, and and I, you know, I I don't, I don't I don't again, David, I don't know your your, I don't I don't know if insurance doesn't have culture. I just know that, you know, we're just we know what works for us, and we know what has worked to fit our goals, and what's helped fit our you know what's helped forward our our our, our company. But I just really feel like. You know, when when you meet people that want to collaborate versus hold something tight, I I, I just I, I think that goes hand in hand.
1: Yeah, I think the cheat sheet for understanding where the insurance industry is in regards to cultures is as simple as visiting Facebook groups with insurance agents. Huh. I mean, <laughs> I wish I could tell you I'm this guy that can deep dive in and diagnose cultural issues. But it's really that easy, man. If it was that great in our industry, we wouldn't have people bitching every time we go online. People would be trying to recruit others into the industry. They'd be trying to recruit others into their agency and talk about, they'd be standing on the mountaintop shouting about how great it is because there are very few industries you can work in where you can get the financial reward. Yeah. Right. That's the thing that's crazy. You can, you can run a bad agency and still make a lot of money.
2: Yeah. And, and, and we, we do believe that this is the greatest kept secret, you know, out there as far as this business and what it can bring you and what it can afford you. And certainly there's a barrier to entry. But I mean, once you get past that and you and you do it with the right intentions, I I, I completely agree with you.
1: Yeah, but even the barrier to entry is not that big. What is it? You take a class, and you pass the test. I mean, it's harder here, though. It's, it's interesting because as I travel around and I hear people in other states talk about getting their license, all of a sudden, the 200 hours of education we have to take <laughs> before we get ours seems like it's a lot di- more difficult.
0: Hmm.
2: Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. I uh, I had a little different route. I uh, I started with my 440, learning the business And then, uh, and then, you know, after the year did the conversion course. So I I found that that was, for me, that was a lot more fluid way to go given my, uh, my history in school. And if someone had said, man, in order for you to do this, you got to sit through 200 hours of classwork. Yeah. And I, I might've had a, I might've had a a hard time doing that back in the day. I I think I could do it now. I've, I've, I've grown up a little bit now.
3: (laughs) So what, so what about doing it that way do you think made it smoother for you?
2: you know what another cool question Kyle because i think that's a better route for people number one i think that if if you could come in as a 440 get paid to learn the business and then convert yourself to that 220 if, if sales or if you know if sales or being a producer is your is your plan to me that makes more sense because i think during that year that you have to have that 440 working under a 220 I think that you just get way more practical application. So for me, I found it when I went to sit for that 440 conversion, excuse me, the 40 hour conversion class. And then to take the exam, I just felt like so much more stuff was relevant. And and I, uh, you know, I, Mm -hmm. I was able to I was able to draw on quite a bit back back then. That makes sense.
1: Man, I'm trying to think I had a question and it left me as quick as it came to me. You know, talk a little bit, though. I think it's interesting because the your agency is starting to make the shift. I mean, that's one of the reasons why you and I have gotten to know each other over the last several months. Heavy, heavy, heavy personal lines, relationship-based referrals. Your role in the organization has been commercial. So talk yes. a little bit about that and kind of what your vision is and, and where you're looking to push things to in the next several years. Cause I know that's a big emphasis for you.
2: Yes. Yes. Well, um, so Brett Taylor and I, this past January, we're recording this in August, January, we were in Denver, uh, at the one city world tour. Um, that was our first industry event in 10 years. Um, you know, kind of just kept our head down, ran, did what we did. Um, we really worked hard and poured the resources towards scaling our personal lines, uh, side of our business. Um, Taylor has done an outstanding job there. Uh, and and certainly with with the uh, the collaboration of Brad and, and me at times, um, you know, they've got a heck of an operation running over there. So we've always kind of, we, we came into 2022 realizing that 2023 was going to be the year of commercial and it was going to be our chance to scale commercial. Um, well, fast forward to January. David, we learned about your, uh, your program, Killing Commercial. I know we're not here to, you know, only talk about that, but I'm going to tell you right now, if you're listening to this episode, man, and you're a commercial producer or in the commercial space at all, the, the the resources that Killing Commercial has provided, and certainly, David, what you've provided me personally, and I know our organization, um, it is worth every penny, you know, and 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 I, we're, just you know, I got,
1: we're just getting warmed up, right?
2: <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I know. But I mean, like, so that 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 came early for us it came ahead of our plans to scale commercials. So what wound up happening through our um, entrance into the Killing Commercial Program is we just started looking at things we were we were um, needing to get ahead of in order to make sure that when 2023 turns the calendar year, you know, we're, we're headed where we want to head, which is a pretty aggressive goal over the next five years to get our commercial department scaled and get it more in line with with where we are personally. Um, so, you know, there'll be, and, and part of that too has been, you know, a lot of what you talk about either in in your in your book, uh, The Extra Two Minutes, or what we talk about, obviously, in, in Killing Commercial is finding out who your ideal client is. You know, we we as we scaled personal lines, we got a lot of opportunity from existing people. And then really in the beginning, it was my network or Brett's network. Um, so, we were able to write some nice accounts, some nice middle market accounts. But for the most part, it, w- it was just a lot of really good small business. But it was us having to be, generalists taking what was given to us. We weren't really ever equipped to be specialized and be targeted to go after what we wanted to go after. Well, that's been the real push through this year. is identifying the areas of business that we want to, uh, pursue, um, the type of prospects we want to, uh, we want to reach out to and, and, and man, that's been a, that's been a longer road than I think we've anticipated. So honestly, I'm glad that it's happening ahead of the 2023 calendar year, but to your question, that, that is the goal. I mean, we're going to get commercial scaled. Um, we're going to become specialized. We're going to recruit, um, you know, we're we're entering a massive recruiting phase for uh, both producers and, as we call them, relationship managers or CSRs, as they're known. So it's exciting times, man. I'm 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 uh, I tease people all the time. You know, I've, I've I've only ever been on the commercial side of our company. And if you need homeowners insurance or or auto insurance or have questions on any of them, I could connect you with people that know way more than me. But commercial has always been kind of the space that I've enjoyed and and uh, have certainly spent the absolute complete amount of my time in, in since I've joined the agency, so.
1: Well, and, you know, I'm not going to get in here and start talking about your book of business, but you got some golf courses on there, too, so, you know, you, you have a little bit of the flair from the rod of the past blending with the rod of the present that's going to create the rod of the future, so.
2: Well, that's that's neat you say that. Yeah, there, there, there's there's some neat golf course uh, relationships there, and, and there's certainly... Um, has been some some fun healthcare relationships. A, a couple of the people that, that I now do business with are from those days in my healthcare grind. Um, some of my dearest friends, also clients. And and uh, that's been super fulfilling to be able to uh, pair some close friends with some really good accounts and, and, and be able to maintain that relationship of business through the years. So super, super cool. Nice.
1: Absolutely. So, talk about like how you are you looking to move into niches are you guys trying to be generalists like what kind of focus do you want and what are you encouraging your producers to do as you're building out commercial
2: yeah um you know we we definitely want to move away we don't believe being the generalist anymore is scalable right um i think when you're the generalist and you're kind of relying on Referrals from your book of business, or maybe somebody that you meet at a chamber event—you know that that there's that, I, we don't believe there's very much there that's scalable. So, number one, what are the areas that we want to be in? Um, you know, and, and a lot of what we've learned from you, David, and and certainly what we've learned from Mick is, you know, get getting getting an idea of who you want to go after. So, service contractors is something that um, pairs well with us through a couple of appointments that we have, um, and and I think trucking is is really become, we, we, we went through an acquisition in 2018 where, um, they had a good amount of trucking. So back in 2018, we, uh, we were able to learn a lot about it at the time. Um, but again, because it wasn't, it wasn't an area of the company. It wasn't the side of the company where we were pouring a lot of resources. We've just kind of maintained those accounts, maintained those relationships. But I think at the end of the day, it's always interested us, um, to be in that trucking space. So right now, today, David, I think what's gotten clear to us over the summer is that we're going to be heavy in the service contractor area and, uh, and, and, and at the same time, get, get busy building out. And, and we have been busy building out um, a trucking division. So, yeah. And I I think what's, what's been fun too, is if you look at our production team, it was really put to them guys. What are, what are some areas that interest you? Joe drove a truck. So when, when I, it, when I talked a little bit about what we were in, interested in, he's like, man, I know that space. I drove a truck. So that's been, that's fit. Well, there you go. yeah. And I mean, and, and, and Eric's who's been with us for I think four years now. And, and, Who's who's turned out to be an absolute beast of you know learning the markets and knowing knowing where to go with things because he's had to react to them. I think when and and through that has written a ton of, of service contractors, now being able to target them and go after them and know that we have a partner uh that will that will, you know. And and to me, I think those are what's fun about that, and again, David, more stuff we've talked about and learned through you is when you know what a carrier wants and you know that you're just going into that space with maybe that carrier at the top of mind to be able to say, if you're not with this person, you should be, you know, is there an interest in spending 30 minutes together? And honestly, if there isn't cool, if there is great, you know, we're not everybody's flavor and we certainly don't try to convince people. We believe that, you know, amateurs convince and professionals sort. Um, So, you know, using, using that philosophy through that carrier partner in that specialty, I think has been, has been a lot of fun. So we're uh, we're, we're going hard with that right now. Nice.
1: You know, I think is interesting is every time I hear you say something, it's not, I believe, or I think it's, we believe, or we think, and, you know, I think that needs to be pointed out for those of you who are out there thinking, you know, this guy, is just like the rest talking about culture. You can't have a normal conversation with somebody and use, use the term we where so many people place I and not have a great culture in your operation. I mean, it just speaks to the selflessness that you have, Rod, and as well as just the general um, culture of your firm. And you know, I believe wholeheartedly that with what you just said, I could walk into your office, ask any employee their thoughts on the exact same thing And their answer will probably start with, we believe. So I think, you know, kudos to you, man. Those are the things that I pay attention to just because I always am trying to figure out, is this guy the real deal? And obviously I know you are, I wouldn't, we wouldn't have you on the podcast to begin with, Mm -hmm. but I'm pointing that out to everybody else because I think that by and large, we have a, a good chunk of our listener base that are always trying to figure out. How they can shoot holes in everything we bring up or everything we talk about, and what a miserable existence, people! <laughs> Seriously, grow, grow up, dude. Well, yeah, come on, man. You know, what, David. Mean girls. You know what's, funny, you
2: know what's <laughs> funny though, David? Is first of all, again, thank you for that compliment. But I mean, this is this is why I gravitated towards you. I said to, I don't know if you remember the conversation we had in in Denver, but you know, we're ten years in. We've 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 not scaled a commercial department. We have things we believe in. Um, and we have non-negotiables and there are philosophies that drive us, but there are, there are probably everybody else that's out there knows more than we know about what we're actually trying to do. So you're one of those people. It's like, if you have a chance to sit down with someone who's done what you're trying to do, why would you poke holes in it? Why would you just sit down? I mean, I'm, I'm, you know, I, I, I'm writing as we, as we go, you know I mean? So I, it's just, just, just how people we like believe. to
3: complain. People yeah, like to know, no, no down. No, no
2: doubt. No doubt. Well, I I appreciate that, man. That's a cool compliment. But at the same time, it's like, you know, associations, you are the association, you you are the average of the five people you associate with. Right. So it's like, if, if we're trying to scale commercial, I mean, we need to be around people that have done what we're trying to do. And then it's just a matter of, you know, do, do, do just follow, follow the lead, follow the lead. You know Um, you know, if you're, if you're the smartest guy in the room, you need a new room. So that's just that's just kind of how that's just kind of how I follow up to the point you just made. I never have that problem.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So, Rod, here's the thing, man. You, You remain even keel. You know, you're always you always seem to be cool headed. I know better. You know, I haven't witnessed anything other other than that. But I know if you're competitive, I know that if you played sports, you've got a streak, you've got an edge. You have to have that to succeed in the game. How do you balance that level of competitiveness with maintaining a culture to where people – you don't alienate your team, right? I would think that if I'm focusing on making this awesome culture for as competitive as I know that I am, it's like one one of my biggest superpowers and one of my biggest downfalls, I know that I have the ability – I'm like Billy Madison playing dodgeball with my team, right? <laughs> I walk out, just wail the kid in the head and point at him. like that. that that's what I see happening. So, you know, how do you get your headspace right to know how you should be when you're with your team versus getting your game face on to go out and, and get a deal done?
2: Well, I, I, a couple of things you said there, David. Number one, our strengths and weaknesses sit right beside each other, right? You, you know, what makes you strong is also what kind of makes you a little vulnerable, uh, what makes you valuable is also what makes you maybe a little bit of a, of a liability, right? So that's a proven fact. And the other thing, the other answer I'll give you is I hope that when our team looks at me, I hope that they see a good example, right? So that's the first thing. The second thing is, yeah, man, I run hot. I mean, I, I want to make the call that nobody wants to make. I want to solve the problem that nobody wants to solve. And I want to help because I like to serve others, especially our team. But, but what I'm learning is that number one, there's no leverage in that. Number two, um, if I'm not willing to empower team members, then this whole notion that we're going to scale commercial, it certainly can't move away from me and it certainly can't move away from leaders. So if team members aren't empowered to handle adversity, handle tough clients, handle tough situations, then we've got a problem. If they're empowered and can't handle it, then yeah, then, then myself, Brett, Taylor, or one of our, of our team leads will jump in there. You ask about me specifically, I do have a competitive streak. I learned early on that, you know, you don't have to tell somebody how hard you work, just go work hard. You don't have to tell somebody how good you are at golf, just go play well. I, I like to be a little bit more quiet about the things that I'm working on. When it comes to one of the accounts that I've written personally, I do run with a lot of pride. I, I want to I over deliver. I think that their perception of their experience and their relationship management with me, I think, is a big marker in my own eyes as to whether or not something is successful. So, yeah, I run hot with that. And I do a lot of things in private on that because I just, I, I just feel like I'll, it's like, why is, the, why is the renewal on a million dollar account a non event? Well, because there's been a lot of stuff done in the dark that you haven't seen, that I've made sure that we get to that point. So that's where I try to curb my own competitiveness, if that makes sense. But I will say that, believe me, there's a lot of encouragement to duplicate that within our team. Um, I just think that number one that that's that's easier said than done. Number two that comes with reps, and number three that comes with learning how to build rapport and earning the right. It's like why do I push that person that hard? Because I know that I've earned the right to push that person that hard. So that's my answer to that question. And I, that's probably, I'm, I'm really excited and happy you asked that question. That's probably my favorite space to be in, in the entire role that I occupy is that space, whether I'm empowering someone to stand up and have a tough conversation, or whether I'm in private having those tough conversations and maybe framing up a big renewal that just continues to be a non-event.
1: Yeah. I think there's a big difference too, between empowering and delegating, right? Because when you're empowering somebody, you were literally saying, I'm going to hand this off to you. You have my blessing to do whatever you think is right in how you handle this situation. Should any conflict arise, Do what's best for the client or whatever the philosophy is. And if you need me, I'm here. But otherwise, this is yours to run with, right? I don't think we do. I don't think many leaders do a good job of empowering. Let me take that back. I don't think as as many leaders do as good a job of empowering as they do of delegating. And honestly, a lot of leaders don't even do a good job of delegating because they're control freaks and they want Mm -hmm. to do it all themselves. Amen. So I think that that one little caveat of understanding the difference between delegation and empowerment is huge when you're running any kind of an organization, you know, and Kyle probably doesn't. It's not like I like had him bend down, like, and I knighted him and said, I am now empowering thee to do whatever you want. He's empowered to do whatever he wants or whatever is best for the client, because I have trust in him. And I know that if he if there's something he can't handle, he's not the guy that's going to try and figure it out on his own. He can come to me and say, Hey, look, here's what I'm dealing with. How would you handle it? Mm -hmm. Sometimes I know how to handle it right away. Sometimes it takes a few days of me thinking through things to, to figure out how I would do it. Cause I don't, you know, I know it's hard to believe, but in 20 years, I still haven't seen everything, you know? (laughs) <laughs> and when you're dealing with people, there's so many variables. You know, how I handle the yeah. situation with one personality might not necessarily yeah. be the way I handle it with another one. So I That's gotta right. take so many things into consideration. It's honestly easier as the leader of the organization to empower your people to do the right things. The the <laughs> issue in my mind arises when and I think the other part of this too is one of the differences between delegation and empowerment is delegation is kind of like, here you go, take it and run with it. Empowerment never ends. Because if you empower people to make the right moves, you need to praise them when they do well and make sure you reinforce that decision. And you need to redirect them and use it as a teachable moment when they don't. And I think that that is a thought process that needs to be adopted more widely because usually it's, hey, great job or punitive if you didn't do it right when you know, if we're building, just to your point, if you're building the next leaders of your organization or just building leaders in general, you have to invest in them, man. I don't know why more people don't understand that, that you have to invest in the human resource in your operation. It's the single greatest resource every one of us have. And yet it's the one that we complain about the most you know, instead of investing in people, we'd rather just go home and gripe because they don't know how to do it. When in reality, what we're saying is we don't have a great training program, right? <laughs> and, and you can just look at these things and pick them off one after the other. But I think that empowerment is, it, it, it speaks way more to intentionality in what you're doing. You know,
2: we, we believe that the size of the leader is determined by the size of the problem that that person is equipped to, to handle. Right or solve, um, and that's not a knock on them. Um, you know, a, a little bit earlier in the in the in the recording, you were talking about um, experience. Right, we don't hire experienced insurance people. Um, we don't look for them. Right, that's not necessarily where we would begin. We would begin just by finding somebody that's that's coachable, somebody that's got a good attitude, somebody that wants to grow, and then when they when they work their way into the ecosystem. We don't fault them for not being able to handle the toughest problems. We just we want to make them aware that the only requirement you're going to have while you're here is to grow and get better. And oh, by the way, the more you earn is directly related to the more you become. So, uh, to the person that you become. So, I, I, I to me, I think it's just a simple it's just a simple idea that. Empowerment is yes, and 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 by the way, empowerment certainly comes with mistakes, right? We we encourage mistakes. If you make a mistake, guess what? Especially a mistake that may cost you know the firm or your client money. Promise you'll never make that mistake again. So mistakes Mm -hmm. are great teachers. We you know I I I just I smile so much. Brett takes Carter to school every day, and uh, and and and, um, as he sends him off, says you know go go mess something up today. And I mean, I just think it's so, it's so beautiful to, to, to realize that we go, through, we go through life, professional life, personal life, trying not to make mistakes, empowered, but trying not to make mistakes versus just be empowered. If it's something that you're, you're, you feel like you're absolutely not equipped to handle, you've got support. But we also want you to know that you're trusted through the person you became through the recruiting process to get to this point that we're, we're not just empowering you because we don't want to do something. Right. We want to empower right. you so that you realize things that you weren't you didn't even maybe think were possible.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think that's true, especially when you're dealing with salespeople, man. You know, I I can't say that it's not the same with service people, but I noticed the trend more when you're doing with sales dealing with salespeople. And it it's as simple as. The first time they write an account it's ten thousand in premium. And then they write one that's a hundred thousand in premium. And then that's you push fair. them a little more and you watch that person stair step. And then all of a sudden you look back over time and it's like, like I'll I'll use Kyle as, as an example. He just we just were able to use our good friends over at Risk Innovations to place a master comp account for a <laughs> staffing company that Kyle writes. Kyle's been in Florida Risk now since uh, the spring of 2018, four years. And I can remember when he first started, you know, it was every question about every single thing. Oh yeah, And I, you know, I do my best not to get frustrated or annoyed, but I'm human. And, you know, after a bunch of questions, I get an, it's something that I have to consciously manage, right? I'm man enough to admit that, but with Kyle. I also know that if I take the time to explain something to him the right way that I'm not going to have to ever explain that to him again. So Mm -hmm. using common sense, it's easier for me just to do it now. And that way he can have that lesson going forward. But I look back over the course of the last year and, you know, this, this account just on the workers comp alone was a quarter million to $300,000 in premium. And it was like, oh yeah well yeah, just another quarter million dollar account yeah. i'm used yep. to where's, it now right yeah. where's the next yep. one yeah but yep. if you think about it like four years ago you'd have crapped your pants if <laughs> yeah. you had that well, opportunity. you know you know what i
2: you know what i think is really cool about that though david is you talk about what you've put in to train you kyle but now you think about what you've gone through to get to the point where you now handle that and yawn about it but think about how empowered you would be to train the next guy that right. comes along right so totally. i mean the, 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 the value for being trained the right way from David and the empowerment and confidence and trust that you now know you have been given, or really you haven't been given it, you've earned it, right? But now you get to go duplicate that down to the next guy or gal. And it's like, mm-hmm. to me, to me, that's the fun part of that whole cycle is when you know it, you teach it, and then you, you know, you just see that thing just duplicate over and over and over again. I, I, I I love, I love stories like that. That was
3: always the best. And we've talked about it several times on the podcast. When I had a team underneath me selling office supplies, the, the best days I had were not ones where I went out and made, you know, 2000 bucks or whatever. It was, it was when my team went out and had just like a balling ass day and was, and was, was, you know, was capping out and we were all ringing the bell back at the office. Those were the best days, you know? And, um, I think that again, if you are a, um, if, if, you're a good leader, you think the same way.
1: I agree. I agree a hundred percent. Well, listen, we are coming up on our hour. I want to be respectful of your time. Plus we got Taylor warming up in the bullpen somewhere. <laughs> what is, what <laughs> well, is, you got, what, you
2: got, you guys got Go your hand. You guys got your, you guys are in for a treat with this, with this next cat, man. No question. <laughs> no question.
1: So what's one piece of advice, man, that you would give anybody? I don't care if it's insurance related, life related, business related. You're a deep guy, man. You come from all kinds of different angles and I never know what I'm going to get. So lay it on us, Rod. What's the, what's your word of the day? You know, humility, man,
2: humility. Um, I I know privately there are things I do well that I just don't want to draw attention to. Um, And at the same time, there's plenty of things that I mess up that um, get attention drawn to them. And. I just, I, I'm, I'm just, I'm just a student man going through this, this, uh, this thing called life. So I, I say humility. Humility is uh, I hope as long as you know me, you look at me and say that that, that was a humble dude. And, and uh, that, that's, that's my word.
3: So I think what David was trying to do there is he's got this just ridiculous slice that he cannot fix.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and he was looking
3: for a few tips. and He needs no, We're, we're, we're going to definitely wire path. up some
2: golf here, man. He already told me he's going to take me out to black diamond. So I've, I've got yeah. Yeah, we're, 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 we're definitely going to do that. We were trying to link up on an offshore trip here a week ago. And that trip, by the way, got canceled, David, at 2.45 in the morning.
1: Oof. I am so glad I wasn't planning on going up to Crystal River. It looked like you guys stayed inshore and got some snook and some redfish. And we, stuff. There you
2: go. We did. We wound up staying but, inshore and had a great day. Nice. The
1: good news is, like, of the podcasts we record, I'm heading to Key West in the next couple of days. So I'll be offshore on Sunday. Good for you, man. Good for you. Breaking necks and cashing checks, man. Daddy's got to eat. I like (laughs) fish.
2: I love it. I love it.
1: All right, brother. We appreciate your time today, Rod. As always, it's a pleasure. Look forward to chopping it up with Taylor next. People, he is Rod Herb from Urban Young. They're all over Florida, man. I don't know. I probably should look in our complex and see if they've opened up an office across the street yet. They're everywhere. Really a pleasure having you on, man. Appreciate you being here. Appreciate your friendship even more. Thank you for what you do for the industry and making it visible. For all of us silent stalkers that sit out there, watch, appreciate, and respect what you guys are doing, man. Well, Needs the world.
2: Thank you guys for having me on. I, I really appreciate it, and, uh, and all the best, man. Anything there, if there's anything we can do for you guys, you, you know we're, uh, we're a phone call or a text away. Yes, Thanks sir. very much.
1: Talk soon, brother. Take care.
0: You've been listening to the Power Producers Podcast. You can follow Killing Commercial Insurance on Facebook and YouTube. And if you want to take your game to the next level, next level, check out our book, The Extra Two Minutes. And our website, killingcommercial.com.